Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we read the short story Centrifugal, one of the earliest pieces of writing that Brandon did, and uh, definitely the earliest thing available on his website. So it's uh, it's an odd story about the far future and some some sort of, you know, huge maniacal project to get energy for free or something i don't even know how to describe it and the uh the the way that it all goes wrong basically i'm data and with me today is jack and jamie so hang on to something everybody the sander lanch is about to begin under the shimmer of a blue moonbeam pick up the pieces of a brittle So yeah, we had a very short story this time. I doubt this will be a very long episode for everybody. Next week, we should be back into Mistborn. I almost said The Lost Metal. That's the next one that's coming out. The Bands of Mourning. Uh, sorry, everybody, that we missed last week. I had some stuff going on and just could not get it recorded. So we had to skip one. But, you know, these are this is our baby break. So we took an actual break during baby break for this time. And honestly, I suspect and I'll talk to you guys about that later that we'll have to skip a couple more upcoming because I'm going to be at Disney World for a week. And I don't know that I'll be able to record while I'm there. So that's fair. fun, fun. But yes, Joe should probably be back next week. I was just telling Jamie and Dag I haven't actually talked to him about it. If he's going to be back for that one or if we'll have to do an episode or so without him, but definitely hope to have him back before the end of uh, the Bands of Mourning, because that'll be a big one to for us to cover the end of the existing Mistborn books right up until next month when the new Mistborn book comes out. Is it next month? I thought it was this month. No, it is November. It is, uh, I think it's the 15th because it mm. is the, the book release party is at the con that me and Joe are going to. Oh, sick. So, yeah, it'll be like the, the convention is Monday and Tuesday and Tuesday night is the book release party uh, uh, where Brandon will you know give a talk, or maybe do a reading, do some signing and stuff like that. So should be fun. Wow. Yep. They're going to have uh, a drawing of everybody who's attending because like it, your badge to go to the convention includes being able to go to the, the release party. It's part of it. So but they're going to have a drawing because, you know, there's thousands of people at the convention and Brandon can only do like personalized signing of so many books. So it'll be like a random drawing from all of the attendants who will uh, be invited to go and get a personalized signing done with Brandon at that party. So I'm just imagining like Joe getting like getting his name drawn out for that and you don't. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, Joe heard like the reading excerpt or whatever. And he's actually more up to date on that than you are. No, I think everybody will hear the reading ex- excerpt, I assume. Okay. But because, yeah, everybody, like I said, everybody's invited to the release party. It's just like getting your book signed and stuff, which uh, I don't right, right. I don't mind that much because Brandon is one person that I hadn't started buying all of his books when the Elantris Leatherbound came out and my wife got me that for Christmas, although we were just dating at the time. But so 
since then I'm I've been getting all the leather bounds. I'm like, well, then I'll just collect his books in these leather bounds. I don't need to get like a bunch of other copies of the same books. So I think I have one copy that I got before that of The Final Empire, since that was my favorite book. I have a signed copy of The Final Empire, but it's like the 15th printing or something ridiculous because it had been out for so long. So it's not as valuable as a lot of the I have like signed first edition first printings of a lot of my favorite fantasy books. So it was like yeah. I I can pursue spending a bunch of money on those for Brandon's books or I can get the leather bounds, which are really pretty and they come signed if you order them in the first place. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Fair enough. Yeah. Makes for a nice shelf. So, yeah. But today we are talking about centrifugal, very, very old story we learned. So what did you guys think of this quite short story? This, this story was a very fun concept. I, I, I liked all the ideas put through them. You can definitely tell this is an early story. Mm. A, I think the intro up here says, like, um, he's he's not exactly... Oh, yeah, warning, you are about to read a very bad story. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't think this, I don't think the story was bad. I just think that it's very it's very early days when it comes to writing dialogue and how exposition is delivered, because it's, it's definitely not up to par with his later stuff, but that's what you expect when it's, your, like, you know, your first story or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I I quite like the concept of, like, oh, yeah, like, we had a long-term investment of this star, and it's actually, and after thousands of years, it's actually finally able to pay off. I'm like, well, that's actually kind of cool. I can get behind that. But um, it's, you know, a lot of the story is, uh, is like, him just sitting there talking to his mate, and it's like, I know you never approved of this, but it is finally going to be free, and we are going to win, and blah, blah, blah. And the other guy's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird combination in my brain, because... On the one hand, like like you say, there's a lot of there's like half of it that's just these two guys sitting and talking, so it's a lot of like telling instead of showing. And then the other half is a lot of showing, like you see what's happening, but you have no idea what's actually going on. So yeah, it's like who's who's running away? Why do we not know? Why does it keep jumping away before we actually find anything out? Like four or five times. Yeah, I mean, it definitely keeps the pace up at least. You're like the story's constantly moving. I will say that like I was never bored when reading yeah. this. And, but yeah, it's just kind of like a, what the fuck is happening? And I feel like even when you get to the end and you get sort of an idea of what's happening, there's still like, I, I'm not sure I know 100% what just happened. Yeah. But I guess like, I like Brandon's books, but I think we've talked about this before. Like the ending can come on very suddenly and abruptly and sort of, and, mm. and on a, a couple occasions, at least we've sort of been left like, really, that's it. That's the end. I definitely got that here. So Yep. But like, you know, that's that's something of his writing that he has embraced. So whatever you do, you man. <laughs> yeah, it works for him, apparently. So I liked I liked the story. I thought it was a little clunky to get into. I sort of found myself having to read the first couple of sections a few times because I just I couldn't work out what was going on. I almost feel like having the that preface there that you're about to read a bad story was probably it, it was shaping my opinions before I mm -hmm. actually read it and I'm I was like nitpicking and sort of critiquing as I went rather than just reading the story and kind of making up my own mind when I made the decision to kind of go no no just just read it just forget it just just read it like you would normally read a book just read it it it, it flowed a little better but yeah I, I agree you sort of have parts of it that were very much being explained what was going on and then you're like who's this guy going at like lightning speed i'm like is he time traveling 
like, I don't know what's going on here. I really want to know. <laughs> so, but once, once you sort of got all the pieces together, I thought it was a fun little story. I liked the idea. I liked that it, you don't kind of get these stories where it's like, oh, it all didn't work out. <laughs> you know, boom, they're all dead. So I, I kind of liked that. There wasn't really anywhere for it to, to go in the end. But I have questions about, I want to hear more about this backstory. I want to know about this, this shortened family and, then the other guy, Ronald, how did his blood show up as a shorten? I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on. But it was good. It was fun. Yeah, I liked it. I like your note about the, the like, how this, it starts out with, like, you're about to read a bad story, which I've heard many times. It's like, you don't start out something like that by, like, apologizing and doing all this stuff up front about how, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be bad. Because that just colors people's opinions before they get into it. Let them decide it's bad for themselves. But then again, he's not trying to sell this one to anything to anybody. He's, it's just like, I'm a successful writer here. You know, here's a piece of something from a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I get the point. I, I personally probably would have just put it at the end. But yeah. you're right. You know, we're, again, we're looking at all these. A lot of people probably would never look at these. You read the novels and you move on. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Brandon's work a little bit closer, but. Yeah, uh, personally, I'd put it at the end because I think you might find that people just like the story. And, yeah, it's an early work, and, yeah, you can tell it's not as polished as, as some of the other things. But, you know, I, I agree with Jack as well that, yes, the ending comes on very abrupt. It's a short story. It's going to come on very abrupt. You can't have a long, drawn-out story um, here. But I guess. Sort of, it, it, yeah, but it is just sort of like, boom, they're gone. Oh, I've got questions. <laughs> there's no, There's no extra... Oh, yep, the Sanderlanch is coming. It's, I feel like the Sanderlanch is not a thing yet. Um, I really, I love the bit, and I'm not sure that we've spoken about it in, because I was, I was dealing with a, a, a child, that when he originally submitted the story, the pages were out of order. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back and read the order that it was actually given <laughs> in, because I, I wonder if it would have made any difference. That that's yeah, that's an interesting question. I kinda now I want to do this I want to see this too. Although apparently at some point they figured it out. So maybe at some yeah. point you're just like, okay, now it makes no sense. I don't understand. But reading it backwards would have made sense, this edgy, futuristic vibe. Especially because <laughs> my friend went straight to time traveling. So I was like, Yeah, cool. But also how, yeah, I've got so many questions. How did cut off his like nerve endings and mm. get the adrenaline? I I want to know more about this. Right? I, I also do like your 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 thought about you don't you often see a story that ends like that with just everybody explodes and dies and that's the end. And they're all in debt. <laughs> I, I don't think they do. You sort of want to root for people and go, yeah, there's a future and this story could go somewhere else. Obviously, this one is never going to. But I feel like it's definitely a concept he could expand upon. And maybe he already has. I, I don't know whether this sort of not this story specifically, but if this kind of thing shows up somewhere else and in the Cosmere or other works, but you definitely could make a bigger story out of it. But mm. yeah, when they, it's pretty bold to just go, yep. And everyone's dead now. I mean, sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you can make it work like spoilers for a, a star Wars movie, but that's how rogue one ended. And it was fantastic. That's true. It did, but also we knew what was happening next. Like we knew there was more to the story already, but yeah. yeah okay, okay. Yeah, that's fair. When, when you saw everything come, I was like, oh, yep, that's, if visually I was looking at this story, that's exactly what I would say. I didn't even think about it. For some reason in my brain, the it, it's always the classic, like, Butch and Sundance ending where they die. 
that's like the the one that my brain goes to. I'd kind of forgotten that Rogue One uh, it also does that same thing. Uh, I guess Butch and Sundance though it doesn't it doesn't show them dying. It shows them popping out of the barn and then like you know they're surrounded but you don't actually see them. That's true. Yeah. What's the other one I go to? Oh, Doctor Strange Love. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That def- definitely a lot of people dying. It. <laughs> I was like, do I do spoiler alert for that? But that movie's what, like, forty, fifty years old by now. Yep. Hold on. Oh, not, I'm looking for this. Movies where everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of spoilers. Okay. Three hundred. Yeah, I guess that's true. Oh, David Wenham made it out. Cabin in the Woods. I think somebody makes it out of Cabin in the Woods, don't they? Oh, yeah. No, no, Cabin in the Woods, like, ends oh, with yeah, because, yeah, so, right, right, like, somebody does make it out of the whole plan, but because of that, everything gets destroyed, yeah, okay, yeah, The Departed, yeah, lots, a lot of people did at the end of Departed, Reservoir Dogs, well, they, they both, they, both those two had one person make it out, and usually it's like the, weirdly enough, both times, it was the smart, the most smart-ass character, mm, good point. There you go. That's how you survive movies where everyone dies. You're the sassy one. <laughs> the robot was the sassy one in Rogue One. I knew that my sassiness would come back to help me one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie's like, yep, I'm going to be the one to make it out of this. Nailed it. Uh, okay. Fun distraction. Yeah, it's... I can see what Jamie's saying, that there's like... there. It feels like there's a sci-fi concept here that you could use elsewhere like the whole mining of this star for energy or the the guy who's it's like there's generations spent waiting to get revenge or whatever these these are there's some there's some interesting like little bits in here that I could definitely see popping up somewhere else and being cool yeah I'm a big space nerd like I I I love space but the whole idea of you know you're about to come to the point where effectively it's the death of the star you we just don't know about it. And then to have something that's obviously close enough to earth that we could get to, that's really interesting as well. It's like, well, how did it, like it didn't wipe, it's close enough, but it didn't wipe out earth. I think that's really interesting. Hmm. I think it's like, it's interesting to me how even in these, these futuristic sci-fi things, like energy is still this commodity that everyone is, is after here. Like it, this story is about this investment in what is essentially an energy gamble. So we're, yeah. we're never, never going to get away from that. I was, at, we were just doing an episode of Deep Space Nine for uh, the show that I'm doing with my friend about uh, where they're going to like tap the molten core of one of Bajor's moons for energy. And I was like, really? Like we're still doing this? We're st- you, you, you're still that desperate for energy that you're going to make this moon uninhabitable so you can drain the power? This, this is sad, actually. I guess as long as we've got an energy crisis in our own world, it's going to remain topical. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I guess let's get into this story. So it it, it really cuts back and forth kind of rapidly, which is going to make going through it a little tough. But we start with one paragraph, basically, of a guy running. And it's like, he's sweating. Everything, it, it's really tough. He has an objective. And then we cut directly to Emil Shorten. He's like, man, look how beautiful this is. And it's all mine. And the guy's like, well, I don't know that you can call it yours exactly. I mean, it belongs more to nature than any human being, which is a little bit philosophical. But Well, it's like, before we even got into the whole energy stuff like this, the thing that immediately my knee-jerk reaction went to was 
those websites where you can buy a constellation or buy mm. a star or a comet or something. Yeah. And it's like, how the hell do you claim that? <laughs> Could you imagine someone's gifted you in the year <laughs> in the year twenty twenty two, someone gifted you a star and you took them literally. <laughs> like, it's all mine. <laughs> it's like it's like you just you just commandeer a spaceship, you fly over to it, it's like this is my star, no one's allowed near here. It's like <laughs> What are you gonna do? You gonna plant a garden on it? I paid fifty bucks for this on the internet. Everybody, back off! I don't, I don't know how much they cost. It's not the intention of the gift. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some fine print in there that's like you, you don't actually own this thing. But maybe, maybe that maybe that's why Mront is so pissed. He's just like, oh, I got you that for a drunken birthday gift. I didn't mean it. <laughs> also, at this point, you you own it with you know five hundred thousand of your closest friends. Yep. Not only yours. You can buy. You can buy some weird stuff to gift people. They got like you can you can get the the you can rent or lease or whatever the square foot of land in Scotland so you can be a lord or I forget how that worked exactly. Oh yeah yeah. And one year for Christmas, I got my wife among other things a uh, a certificate of nobility. So she was a baroness of Sealand. But have you heard of Sealand? No. It is. Uh, Do I need uh, to quickly quote, Google this? It is a quote unquote country uh, that declared like sovereignty in 1967, and basically it's an old like uh, uh, it's it's an old like sea fort thing that's built on uh, it's like an offshore platform. Oh, it's that abandoned military thing. Yeah, and so this family lived there and declares themselves an independent country, and they have their currency that they make and they have uh, all this stuff and they sell titles of nobility, even though, you know, uh, I, I think you can even get a passport. Although I don't believe that the country is recognized by any other country in the world. So yeah. Can you, can you actually do that? <laughs> I declare we are our own country. <laughs> I claim this, this uh, oil rig for the sovereign nation of me. You can apparently get away with it. If nobody else cares. And that is the situation. I think there is actually a guy in the Australian outback who did something similar. He just found this spit of land that's so far away from any towns um, or cities. And he, and he just sort of establishes, like, yeah, this is my own country. I have my own currency. You're not allowed in and something like that. And the government just, like, couldn't be bothered dealing with him. It's like, fucking whatever, dude. <laughs> Nobody else is interested in going out there, so you do you. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, they, they've apparently fought off pirates or something at one point. I guess the pirates are the only, only ones who care enough. <laughs> They're trying to take the country from him. Oh, but yeah, so I, she, she is a, a, a baroness. Shit. It is, right? <laughs> Dennis Hopper's going to rock, rock up on a sea do. Oh, man. Okay, sorry. That, we're we're going to do some distractions this time since the story is <laughs> so short. We just need some uh, some side. It's funny because, like I said, on that the Deep Space Nine rewatch show that I'm doing, if we get to the end of the show and we haven't had some weird, big, long tangent, the the guy that I'm doing with, with is like, wait, wait, we haven't had a tangent this episode. We need uh, we need to do something. <laughs> Spin the wheel. <laughs> That's what we need, a wheel of tangents. Yep. Yep. you got to uh, like It's got to be fresh tangents every time. So, yes, the, they, they are talking about a super giant, a red super giant star known as Seppuku, which in and of itself, that's a bad, it, that's a bad name. It's oh. like ill luck there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's meant to be thematic given what happens at the end, but it's very on the nose. Yeah. yeah. 
Like I would have bought a different star, dude. Like you, <laughs> you don't want to go near that one. Yeah, why couldn't we buy the one called Prosperity or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just if you bought it, change the name. Like, did you guys pick that name? Because, geez. <laughs> he was going through his teenage rebellious phase when he got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, super edgy, man. He's so emo. Uh, <laughs> Emil is talking about the culmination of his ancestors' work. And Ron's like, dude, I don't like your ancestors. They're all stupid. And I'm just like, why'd you invite this guy here again? Yeah, he doesn't seem to be on board. <laughs> Do you just not have any other friends? Actually, now that I think about it, it does seem like this is a Zap and Kiff relationship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's he's finally just like, okay, yeah, well, I'm not going to argue with you. We're This is a party. Let's let's have fun. <laughs> be joyous, my comrade. Today we celebrate. <laughs> that, uh... Yeah, that's very Zap. Exactly. <laughs> You know what I think of your illustrious ancestors, sir. Tell the men that I have made it with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> There's some bonus content for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be great. Just a whole zap and kiff. That's 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 stepping on somebody's intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back and somebody is yelling, stop. And the thing is, we've only had the first and the second at this point, so you don't know that we're going back to that first one again. At this point, it's just somebody's yelling stop at somebody else. <laughs> Today we celebrate stop! Yeah, exactly. Well, because I, when I first read it, I was like, is he just ignoring? So, like someone's running through the party <laughs> or something, and this guy's like, it's happening from behind me, but I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Sir, we have a streaker. <laughs> Like, whatever. Let them enjoy themselves, too. We're, today we celebrate. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so yeah, there's the dude still running, and he's ignoring the uh, the the voice and the blue lightning from the electrical stunners that are also coming. And here comes a half a dozen more showing up. But his chance comes with the trench. Bones cracked and tendons tore as he leaps across this 20-meter-wide gap. And apparently just, you know, gets away from these guys who are chasing him, which I love when we come back to it in a minute. And then he's like, how did none of you have a hover platform? <laughs> like these these cops suck. <laughs> They're basically zaps troops. In yeah, dupe. exactly. And then we cut back to the to the uh, the celebration. And it I feel like it's intentionally misleading at the beginning of these sections. It's like years of accumulated pressure exploded. And there's like, oh, it's a it's a champagne bottle yeah okay. yeah it's deliberate which is clever yeah my ancestor put this bottle away three thousand years ago in anticipation of this moment which i feel like that that wine would not be good anymore <laughs> like we almost lost it when we moved house but thankfully we, we found that we found the box in storage uh, the, the ac went out that one time and it got like 100 <laughs> degrees in the house but uh, it's probably fine it smells like expired oatmeal <laughs> And see, and here's where, I, like, I want to hear some of the backstory because Morant, which is, geez, that's a tough name, actually. Mm. He's like, you stagnated. You used to have such imagination. What happened to your dreams? I'm like, yeah, what was this guy's dreams? I'm curious now. We don't know. And apparently Emil invited Morant to participate in this many years ago. But if you choose to work on the project, then you have to sign a waiver saying that you will never leave, which, geez, all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> I wouldn't mind abandoning that dream. No. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> like, why? 
Like, what about it is needs everyone to stay? Like, I, even these cops, like, if you want to be a cop on this base, you have to never leave. That's who's going to take that job. Yeah, that's like these guys are in real need of a union. Yeah. And here's the sergeant, uh, Sergeant Forek of the Sapuku primary base police. So like, what do you mean? None of you brought a hover platform. They're standard equipment. Go back to your hover and get one. Well, apparently they have hover, I guess, cars is what he's when he says, go back to your hover. Why don't you just use that to fly after the guy? <laughs> well, so if, if they're the cars, why couldn't they just bring bring the cars? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, the cars aren't working. Eject the platforms. It's like, oh, God, we don't have rails on these things. Oh, I fell off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it's like they're chasing him on like, the Back to the Future-style hoverboards. Oh. <laughs> got, all these, got all these skateboarding cops coming after him. It's like, oh, no, he's over water. <laughs> but, so they have a bioscan some, somewhere that sensed this guy and can tell that he is... Hopped up on adrenaline, like four times the normal person's maximum tolerance of adrenaline, which allows them to do this stuff, which that doesn't sound good. But I think this was the clunkiest bit of dialogue uh, in this bit. And it's like, oh, it says he's saturated with an amphetamine, but a naturally induced one. You mean adrenaline? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, guy, the first guy couldn't have said just adrenaline. Well, the whole scene feels very clunky to me because it's just like. This is one of those telling and not showing things where it's just like we have the excuse that we have a bioscanner that can tell not only that he's full of adrenaline, but that his pain receptors have been disengaged. The nerve endings have been literally fused into unreceptiveness. Like, really? You can tell all that from. All right. And Mm. you can't stop him remotely. Okay, whatever. So I I, I can buy all that. It's just the way they explained it to people. Just like, oh, that was a bit. Yeah. And then it's like he's heading for the northeastern section, which interesting that you still have north, south, east and west that you're using out here in space. But whatever. Um, they just stood on their base and went, you know what? This is north now. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we got him then. That entrance requires a DNA scan. There's no way he can get by that. And the tech basically says this guy has 15 minutes until he, he describes it as the same as being a balloon that's been filled <laughs> too much. And uh, so he's going to pop. I don't know if he means that literally, like he's going to explode or he's just going to die. But Like a balloon something bad happens. <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's great. I want to go back and just put that in. It's like a balloon and something bad happens. <laughs> just submit the sound effect. So, yes, we come back to back to Mront and Emil. It's like on 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Also 15 minutes. The, the, the work will be done. And so it says that this star was discovered within trans light speed range and it was projected to go supernova sometime within the next 5,000 years. And so Emil's ancestor, Joshua Shorten, had decided he was going to buy it. And the government's like, all right, we'll take your money to say it's yours, whatever. And what he has is this this prediction, a mathematical prediction that's like, by the time the supernova happens, we will have technology sufficient to harness its power. So... He's gonna, he spends all his family's fortune on this uh, preparing for the supernova. Now, that is a long-ass time for one family to actually stick to the the original plan. Agreed. I feel like within a couple generations, somebody's going to be like, no, nah, this is boring. I want to do something else. Yeah. It's like, really? We're sinking our money into this? But it's like, oh. you, you, like you, th- you think of that time gap. That's between – that's like from now to – like ancient times, like you're talking ancient 
like Rome and Gaul and stuff, and like that's mm-hmm. like the, the, the technology jump alone is just astronomical. It's true. So yeah, I mean, I believe that the, in three thousand years we could have some crazy technology that I'd never even imagined. So yeah, I believe in a hundred years we could probably have that. But it's like yeah, even it's like the, fa- the family line to remain de- dedicated for that long, like that's. Mm-hmm. Man, he must have had like something huge written in his will. It was ironclad. Well, at the end, it says that the the members of the family enter a three thousand year work bond to pay the debts incurred by the project. So maybe he like just passes down these debts, and it's like, well, if you don't keep working towards it, then you're gonna have to be the buck stops with you. <laughs> then a hundred percent, they're faking their death and running away. Yeah, probably. That's <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd do. Good point. <laughs> So we cut back to the guy who re- who's been running. He reaches the DNA scanner and bites his thumb until it bleeds, and then puts that into the scan thing. And then we get another cut to not anybody's perspective. It's just funny things about uh, about the human body. This is the part where I'm like, I don't know if I understand exactly what's happening here. So the DNA scan consists of three scans. First scan triggers a sequence which caused foreign bodies like viruses to detach themselves from the bottom of the strand. The second pulse makes the, them reform, being imprinted with that pulse's data. So the little thingies are like tracking what the pulse is looking for and then turning into that, I guess. And then the third pulse, they attach to the actual DNA strand so that the probe finds what it's looking for, I, is, is how I'm interpreting this. So the pulses weren't part of... The machine? No, yeah, yeah, the pulses are part of the machine, but whatever is in his DNA is, like, re- working off of those pulses. It's, yeah. like, using them as a signal and using them to get information, which I we find out that, like, somebody from, like, 3,000 years ago basically came up with this plan, it sounds like. So you would have had to know that in 3,000 years the DNA scanner is going to ha- use these three pulses or something, it seems like. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. This is where it's kind of uh, falls a little bit apart for me, but I'm, you know, if you all, all you had to say is like, don't explain it. Be like, he'd come up with a way to fake out the DNA scanner. Okay, I buy yeah, so it. That's what he did in the end. He faked the DNA. He wasn't some long lost relative that was also part of the family. He was, yeah, like the, uh, someone else's family that yeah. was also the project. And the thing's like, welcome, Mister Shorten. So it lets him in. And uh, we cut back to Emil and Morant, and he's like, why don't you like this project, Morant? And he's like, look, it's the way that you guys have handled it. It's all built off greed and the seclusion of ideas, which is clearly pretty true. And Emil is thinking that it's more true than this guy even knows, because a long time ago, back when this first started 3,000 years ago, there was this guy, Laros Mezprik, which once again, can we can we not like we're going a little overboard with the sci fi names on some of this. <laughs> that, that, that one, like I. I... Like sort of flows a bit better than Mront. Yes, I agree. It's better than Mront. <laughs> and so this is the guy who came up with the plan that I guess Shorten just kind of stole. And so he steals his ideas and then kind of kicks him to the curb. And LaRose is so upset by this that he becomes an expert in a new field, the field of genetics, and spends the whole rest of his life working on something. And his on his deathbed, he says, finally, we're even. And no one knows what any of that was about. And the only clue lies, lies in the mind of a man called to the office several times, one Jammer Alistes. Which, once again, that's kind of a sci-fi sounding name, but I like it, Jammer. Yeah. Once again, we've got another family who's going to uphold this thing for 3,000 years. Did no one ever change what they were going to do? 
in this case, it sounds like he doesn't have a choice. Yeah, this seems like it was like he embedded something in the DNA that compelled. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's the next paragraph is like he finally had come to fill a 3000 year compulsion, Damn. which that's that's I, OK. That's even worse than a guy stealing your idea and using it to make a lot of money is like co-opting an entire line to force <laughs> them to get revenge for you. That's messed up. I'm just picturing poor Ronnie's dad sitting somewhere, just go- watching this all go, and just going, whew, fucking dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> or Ronald's kid. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whew, one generation off, yes! <laughs> so, yeah, Ronald Alistes, clearly a descendant of the original Jammer, hurls himself into the energy flow, which is going through this giant diamond, and shifts the diamond just slightly before disintegrating himself into ashes and because the energy flow is no longer going through there at the correct angle a few seconds later it shatters just in time for the countdown from emil to the supernova and five seconds before the supernova all of a sudden the purple shield goes down and they're like well fuck we're screwed now oh shit (laughs) and we cut to after the fact where it's like uh death came to them in many different ways for Robert Alistes, it was a release from a body no longer his own. So, yeah, that really does sound like he didn't have much control at all. Just going to point out, who the fuck is Robert? We got Jammer and we had Ronald. Ronald, you're right. Yep, that's that's not right. Or maybe Robert is his dad. Robert's like, oh, good, now my body's my own again. Yeah, maybe. No, they're talking about death, so I, yeah, so I don't <laughs> think that's right. But that no, I think I, I, Yeah, that's meant to be Ronald or mm. Jammer. I d- <laughs> and then down the generations, you're called Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I have many Ronalds in my own family. <laughs> this is my first son, Starbreaker. And then this is my second son, Bob. <laughs> have you guys watched uh, Werewolf by Night yet? No, not yet. No spoilers. Okay. Okay. There is, um, I don't know if you know much about Canadian comedy um, music groups, but there's one that I love called The Arrogant Worms, and they've got a song called Jesus' Brother Bob. <laughs> it's, it's all about Jesus' younger brother who is just resentful because like no one gives a shit about him. Poor Bob. <laughs> it's just it's the best thing ever. <laughs> now I may have to go look for this. That does sound fun. I don't know anything about uh Canadian comedy groups really, so Yeah, it's kind of a broad that's a that's a very niche mm. uh thing. I found them by accident like decades ago and I've been listening to them ever since. Hmm. Um Okay, sorry. We're uh Marant does not welcome the death, but he's prepared for it. His wife's gone. His children are grown up. Emil was hit the hardest. Uh, he, in the moments before he was vaporized, he had to face his inadequacy and his failure. And then the next day on the news, uh, it's just like, yeah, so all those people are dead. The shield failed. Uh, the remaining members of the Shorten family have entered a 3,000-year work bond to pay the huge debts incurred by the failed project. Ouch. Sucks for all of them. Now, to be fair to Emil, he didn't fail for any reason of his own yeah, he doesn't know like, that, though. Yeah, I guess. No one told him that there was a guy running uh, through the station trying to get to the shield generator. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. So that is, uh, that's that story. I, it's, it's an interesting one for me, and we talked about it at the beginning, how it's just like, yeah, you're, he, he tells you up front that it's not going to be very good, so it does kind of bias you about it. And uh, it's it's interesting to see something from so early, and and you can pick out some of the stuff that you see from Brandon later. Even even with the names, when we talked about how he gets to Elantris and goes a little overboard on the fantasy names, you're like, oh, I see, I see that still, uh, since this is clearly before that. Yeah, 
and just sort of the way like he'll drip feed bits of information when he feels like it's necessary for the audience to know it. We may not have been in, in the most um, cohesive or fun to, fun to read manner here, but you'd see the the bones of it there. And like he's got some great concepts in this story, so you can definitely see like the bones of where he started to come together. So for a you know for a starting point, this is this is fine. Yeah, it's probably better than anything I've written. So you know, good job yeah. winning that contest. Who am I to judge? Someone <laughs> yeah, I am a terrible writer. That's uh, true. But that's what we're doing on this podcast. We're judging him. Take that, <laughs> Brandon. That'll teach you to write. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. So we, we, we might be, but we're generally pretty positive about it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. I'm definitely not like overcritical or anything. I don't. I don't have enough of a background in literature to to be like, yes, yes, I can sit here and go, this is what I would have done better. But. <laughs> I can tell if I like something or I dislike something, and if I like it, then it's good. Yeah, I mean that's fair, right? That's that's kind of what all you can ask from most people is like, did you like it? Why did you like it? Or why didn't you like it? You know, it's a, it's an opinion thing. Yeah, I think I've I think I've um, read some like it was something I um, when I was doing all my film stuff in, in uni. There was a quote I came across. Uh, someone said like, I I judge like the the things I consider great are to be the ones that I uh, the like the the a great movie is one I could never bear the thought of not seeing again. Cuz mm. like there have been many times where I've sat down I've watched a movie and just gone that was a really good movie. Do I want to watch it again? Eh. Mhm. So there yeah. I mean I, and and that's that's my thing is that I don't know that I agree with that because I'm sh- I'm absolutely sure that there's movies that I'm like that's like a great it's a really well made movie. They did an amazing job on this. I don't necessarily need to see that again. Well, so that, that's that's how I feel. There have been plenty of movies I go and just like, oh, like on a filmmaking level and everything about it, this is fantastic, but I just don't care about the story. It's just not my kind of thing, so I probably wouldn't watch it again. But I can appreciate the skill with which they made it. So yeah, where do you, you know where do you draw the line? Whereas well, like, and- there's there are some movies that uh, like I, I I genuinely enjoy watching them, but they're fucking terrible. That, oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I can name a lot of those. Yeah. But I, I was thinking more along the lines of there's stuff where, like, if there's a mystery or something, and, uh, you know, the first time you watch it, it's amazing because when the twist hits or something, you're not expecting it. And it's like, oh, my gosh, my mind is blown. This was really well done. But then you don't necessarily need to watch that again because maybe – and I, I guess actually a good example is Shawshank Redemption, which is not a mystery. But it is a movie that you watch once and then the stuff hits at the end. And then a second watch is an entirely different experience. You think it's like you think it's a bad experience though? Or? No. Well, and th- that's that's what I'm that's what I was gonna say is the second watch is a, is a whole different experience because you're spotting all these things that based on what you know now. But I don't know that I need to watch Shawshank more than twice. Look fair. I guess, I guess I guess for that specific case, I probably wouldn't agree. But I see I see your point. There are def- there are definitely some. It's like you watch it for first time for the for the fresh experience once for the catching everything experience and then not necessarily again i get that yeah no i don't know i don't know where i was going with that the funny thing is you could say the same about a lot of brandon's books in in the you know like like you get to the end of well of ascension and there's the twist where it's been lying to you all along and yeah, uh, yeah. it's like oh my gosh and then you can read it a second time and you start spotting all the little things and you're like oh this is it's, it's crazy and so you you could say the same thing about that that I just said about Shawshank, except that I've read that book like ten times. So yeah, I, yeah, and that's it. I guess it comes down to like you could say that of virtually any 
work of fiction that has sort of a twist or mm-hmm. not even a, not even a twist but like some big reveal happening at the end mm-hmm. like uh like virtually anything agatha christie ever wrote or uh, hell knives out like I, yeah. I i i know pretty much beat for beat everything that happens in that movie but i'll happily watch that a million times yeah me too knives out is really good Brilliant. But, uh so yeah I, and and that that i guess is the personal preference part where it's like yeah yeah I love Brandon's books, and so even though I know what happens, I'll, I, I will read that one again. Uh, there's a lot about Shawshank that I find uh, like I, I don't I don't need to watch the prison rape stuff. Um, yep, I, I don't particularly like that, and so I'm not you know eager to necessarily watch that movie all the time. But, That's fair. Uh, yeah. So uh, you, and maybe you could even say the same about like Schindler's List, where like this is an amazing piece of filmmaking. Oh gosh, you got to be in the mood for that. Yeah, and the the story is like. It's so emo- like it, it really can get you, and I'm like, I need, I, I have to be at a certain like level of emotional fortitude if I'm going to watch that movie again. I don't. Ugh, I think, it, it's actually, tough. I think um the top of my list for that would be 2001: A Space Odyssey, one of the best movies ever made. But I like if I am not anywhere close to the right mood for watching it, I'm just like I am not touching it. Mm-hmm, like sure. you need to be in a very specific headspace for that one. I actually have never seen that one. You need to be the, in a very specific headspace for that one. I read the book. But, sorry, Jamie, I cut you off. What were you saying? No, that's okay. I just found like the the one that sticks with me as a as a great movie, but I will never watch again. Was the Lovely Bones? I think it's a little bit too. Oh yeah. Real, you know, it's it's a little bit too could happen, and I no, it's uncomfortable. But it was very well done. Mm, yeah, there's some of those where you're like. This is horrifying in a way that's like it could actually happen, and I don't need to remind myself that it could actually happen. That's not going to help my life. Oh yeah, like I had one of those years ago. It's a movie directed by David Schwimmer of all people. A movie called Trust. What? Oh, very well made, what but yeah, yeah, that was go- Google it. I, I I struggle to even talk about it honestly. Okay, it's funny that you mentioned Agatha Christie books because I had never read an Agatha Christie book, and then. I went and saw, or I was going to go see, see how they run that movie that just came out a couple weeks ago. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, that looks good. And uh, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's not, it's not like great or anything, but it's a lot of fun. And yep. so I was in just like this mental space because I was going to go see this movie. I'm like, you know what? Let's try and I get the Christie book. I've never done that. And so I went out and uh, and got her first one, a Mysterious Affair at Styles. I think it's the first one. And uh, it's also the first appearance of Poirot. And okay. so I read that and I was like, you know what? That's not bad. I mean, I'm, I'm, it, you know, it's not like uh, at the top of my list or anything, but it's not bad at all. And so since then, I have gone down a rabbit hole. Like that was, <laughs> that was maybe two weeks ago that I did that. Maybe like two weeks and two days, and I have read seven of her books since then. Brilliant. So yeah, I've read a bunch of Poirot and a, and several Miss Marples. I'm in the middle of a Miss Marple one right now called I think it's A Murder Is Announced, where. It, it, the the book begins with like an ad appearing in a paper that's like a murder is going to happen tonight at this place at this time consider th- this is the only invitation friends please uh accept and everyone's like oh so it's like some sort of it's, it's, is it some sort of game at our friend's house oh let's all show up for this and then obviously a murder actually happens and so it's it's kind of bizarre but i've just started it so. <laughs> interesting yeah <laughs> i remember remember reading somewhere it's like um people who like for people who always write or make movies or whatever in like the same genre over and over and over again some people are just like you know they get like criticized and say oh try something new try something new and then someone rebutted by saying it's like no one ever got bored that agatha christie just kept making murder mysteries 
<laughs> I'm sure somebody has complained. And but, no uh, one cares. And no one cares. Yeah. But that's the th- <laughs> that's the thing is like when you do a really good job at it, it's like yeah, you, you know, just, just keep it coming. Keep doing that. If I'm not interested in a murder mystery, I will go read something else. There's no reason yeah. that you need to try to do something different than what you are good at doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. So just stick the stick those murder mysteries on a conveyor belt and just send them at my at my face. Well, and, and that's the weird thing is I've never been that big into mysteries necessarily. Like I like the Dresden Files, and that's probably like the and well, some of those are like detective fiction, but that's probably the yeah. most detective fiction that I have read. That's not usually my genre, but I was just in the mood for it, and so I've done a bunch of them, and it's been fun. When I was a kid, my parents loved watching Midsummer Murders on oh, yeah on, on TV, um, and like and like every so often I would just come and sit down and catch an episode with them, and it's like that was a lot of fun. It was very clever, even though like I don't know how many people must have died in the English countryside by the end of that show, <laughs> Is it, unless it's still going, in which case gee, like the whole population of Europe must be dead by now. Midsummer murder. I remember that. I've never actually watched an episode of that, but I remember it because it would be on like uh, I think PBS here in uh, at night. And if I was flipping through channels, I would catch like a few minutes of it and then be like, "Ah, weird British stuff. I'm gonna move on." Um, no, the, it's it's actually very worthwhile. And like because it started way back in like late nineties, early two thousand, stuff like that. You see, so, like some British actors who have actually hit it really big now, and like mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god, that's a very young Orlando Bloom or something. I'm rewatching uh, I'm rewatching Night Court because uh, I apparently just need a sitcom that I can have on and let play for half hours at a time while I'm doing other stuff. And I, I, I look over yesterday while I was like playing a video game and I just have this playing on my phone. And it is a very young Don Cheadle as like a 16 year old uh, like guy who's like sticking this crew up for he's just robbed a liquor store or something. And I was like, oh, my God, Don Cheadle, what wow. are you doing? Yeah. Uh, okay, how long is this? This show is still going. Bloody hell. It started in 1997, this says, and the most recent series was 22 and was started April 2021, and the rest is TBA, so they may have, it shows that there's going to be a 23rd, but there's no okay. information about it, so it may have, you know, COVID got delayed Possibly, or something, yeah. yeah. Huh. The show, I always thought just went, I felt like it went for ages and ages and ages. And I, I don't know if it really did or not, but Murder, She Wrote. And I always remember thinking, I never want to be around Jessica Fletcher because everyone, <laughs> like, it's not like she's investigating a crime. It's always wherever she is, someone dies. And it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> you are the problem, I think. <laughs> it's just the, just the weirdness magnet. That show had 12 seasons, apparently, and four movies. So, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good run. I liked to see what she was up to, but, yeah, it was, yeah. If you go on a holiday or you go on a writing conference and someone's murdered in the room next door, I'm like, how unlucky do you have to be? That's so that's true of a lot of those stories. And I feel like it's 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 like uh, I I guess it's kind of like Miss Marple, actually, where it's just like this this little when you have a little old lady who's solving crimes, she's not at the police station waiting for, you know, the newest thing to come in. It's just it has to be wherever she happens to be, which is like, oh, that's scary, actually. Yep. Oh, uh, now, now I'm just now I'm just looking it up. It's like what famous actors have appeared in Midsummer Murders before they were famous? Uh, Henry Cavill. Mm. Holy shit! Yeah, he's young. Orlando Bloom. Lee Mortimer. No, that guy's. Oh, Hugh Bonville, the dude from um, Downton Abbey. Uh, Olivia Coleman. Oh, well, she's yeah. Uh, I was I was just watching. Uh, what, what what was I watching? She was. I was watching um, Sandman. Oh, they're in that. <laughs> 
Yeah, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, like some like huge names. It's it's probably like a Harry Potter thing where it's like if you're an actor in Britain, then uh, you're going to have been recruited to be on this show at some point. Yeah, basically. If, if it's not Harry Potter, then you wind up in Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Or both, you know. Yep. Uh, I just, oh, I'm watching so many random things now. Like uh, You got me thinking because we're talking about British TV now. You got me thinking about the Great British Bake Off or Baking Show that just started their new season a couple weeks ago. Nice. And so been watching that. That's good stuff. And then the boys were in a Bluey kick today, so we watched a bunch of Bluey. Oh, it's just the best. Right? Great show. Yep. Uh, all right, here. Let's – sorry. We got so far off track here. So uh, <laughs> we're uh, – we've got – for anyone who's left a review or uh, or uh, become a patron, I'm aware of you, but we're waiting for Joe to be back hopefully next week to, to touch on those. So just be patient a little bit longer. We got a couple emails that we've been holding for a while because they're about the end of the Miss Porn book. But there's one that we can get away with doing here. And it is this was after uh, we got the picture of uh, of that dog, the <laughs> which actually was an Australian shepherd like Bluey. Now, the, just uh, to bring that full circle. Um, but uh, Joe or someone was like, send us send us your pictures of dogs. Why not? So, so one other person, Naomi sent us a picture of her dog. And so let me put the picture in the chat first. So everyone can see the puppy. And Naomi says, hey, Sam. I know, right? Data, you've really opened Pandora's box with these puppy pics. I'm not sure if a lot of people will send pictures, but I will. This is my dog, Coco. Four years. It says four years ago. I assume that means four years old. She's an American staffy mixed with inhale, a Louisiana Catahoula leopard dog. That is a long name. You she's just a, said a whole bunch of sounds, right? She's a sweetheart who loves dogs and people. And I love I'd love to go on walks with her while listening to the podcast. But she's very anxious. I swear she thinks there's some magical barrier. She can't pass 50 feet from my house. She'll dig her heels in. And basically I basically get dragged back into the house. Hey, that's that's funny, actually. Uh, wasn't to the time of next. Colo. Thank you, Naomi. We have three cats and they are. Two of them have always been that way. Like we two of them were rescues. And as soon as they moved into the house, like they will not cross cross the threshold out one of the doors. They're like, no, why would I go out there inside here? is great. And then we have the purebred cat that we got that has been pampered and like loved all his life because we got him from, you know, a breeder and he costs a lot of money and all this stuff. And he was always like, hey, what's out there? I want to go out there. <laughs> and so I had to stop him constantly until one day he bolts out the door. And I take off running after him because I'm afraid this like $700 cat is going to disappear into the neighborhood and we'll never see him again because he doesn't know how to survive on his own. But he got out onto the porch and he stopped. And I was not expecting that. And I was in mid run to go after him. And so I accidentally <laughs> kicked him. Oh, no, like not hard enough to hurt him, but way harder. Like I, I felt so horrible after. And he looked at me. He's so betrayed. And <laughs> since then, he is scared to go out the door because he now associates it with getting kicked. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I guess two wrongs made a right. Right. I'm like, I feel bad, but he wasn't hurt. And now he doesn't try to go out the door constantly. So it's kind of a good thing in the long run. Oh, God. <sighs> but yeah. Do y'all, do, do y'all, is y'all's cat an outside uh, cat? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. She, um, she used to be, but she would always get hurt. And the last time uh-huh. when we drew the so our cat will be 20 this December. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's like proper old. And it was probably a decade ago. She was chasing cows in the paddock next to my house. Um, and then jumped. Yeah. Yes. She was chasing cows. 
<laughs> big wild cat she was, and she leapt over the fence and got her leg caught on the barbed wire and ripped open her leg. So we were like, it's too expensive. Every time you go outside, you're hurting yourself. So she's been inside ever since. Yeah, that's that's probably for the best, it sounds like. Yeah. Also, sorry, I was I, I had to deal with a baby thing. Um, that, that dog is beautiful. Uh, it's a very cute dog. Yes, and please keep sending you photos of your pets. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's like, I'm happy to see them. Yes. Uh, so if anyone would like to send us an email, including if you want photos of pets, that's cool. Uh, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon. I have gotten six chapters up of uh, Bastille versus the Evil Librarians that I'm reacting to as I'm reading and recording it. So I did the first seven chapters with one chapter per file. And the set chapter seven was so short that I was like, OK, I got to do more. So I've after that, I did three chapters per and they got a lot. Uh, the, they didn't get a lot longer, honestly. I think the chapter started getting smaller as you got to the end of the book, which is kind of a Brandon thing. So yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. But uh, I feel like it, it progresses much, much faster after after chapter seven. So that'll go up the the first one. The first episode with three chapters will probably go up the Thursday before this comes out. So if you're interested in hearing me react to uh, to these books as they come out uh, before they fit into the Sander Lanch schedule then become a patron at any level and you can get that we're not uh you know i'm not you you can go in and pledge i forget what the smallest pledge amount is i was gonna make it a dollar and then patreon's like you really shouldn't do that it should be at least like three or five or i forget what the number is so i was like okay well i guess they know what they're talking about i'll make the minimum what they say the minimum should generally be but yeah yeah it's it, it's not like we're doing that we're doing it to try to get stuff out of people it's just uh People were like, hey, how do we support the show? I said at the Patreon, and if we were going to have a Patreon, it needed special content. So that's the special content. Uh, I, we have. We also have the uh, the Possum Hunters show that got recorded, Dak and Joe playing a, a couple roles each, and it was uh, it's really fun. I have not finished editing that yet because I've been so distracted with uh, recording. Every time that I have to sit down in front of my computer and record or work on something it's been either one of these episodes of the standard lanch that's going to come out or it's been me working on trying to finish that one book that i was reading so hopefully i will be able to get to that soon and we will have possum hunters out on the patreon also uh, the I'm, I'm calling the the patreon show before the sander lanch since it's me reading these books before they would get to the sander lanch that seemed like a good name although if anyone has better name suggestions i'm open to it <laughs> music by miracle of sound thank you everybody next time the plan is that we will be back to Mistborn for chapters. Let me go back and look at what chapters we're doing again, because it's been a while since I read those out. Chapters 24, 25, 26, and 27. So four chapters for that next episode. <laughs> for anyone who's read those chapters and knows where Data cut the next ones off, you will understand how difficult these last three or four weeks have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to get back into these because we need to talk. <laughs> I totally forgot, and it's it's funny. Cause yeah, I, you did it. No, I because I, I I forgot when we when we moved into this where I had left that, but I definitely I was talking to somebody on the on the Discord, and they were asking like how well in advance these are planned out, and I said I have them all like how how what chapters for each episode planned out well in advance, but. Sometimes when we get into the book, that can change. Like when we read Elantris, I think I cut like two or three episodes off of what it was going to be by rearranging the chapters as we were getting deeper into the book. And I vaguely I, remember that, yeah. I almost did the same thing here because 
after we read these four chapters, the next section is two chapters, and it's actually a pretty short section. So I could have split that and put one chapter with those four and one chapter with in the next episode. But the end of chapter 27 was just a perfect stopping point. I was like, I can't, I can't not have a stop there. Right. Uh, I understand why you did, but we now had to wait a month. But you know, <laughs> uh, yep, the timing on that just worked out so well. That's great. Yeah, okay. Um, and in my mind, it's like it's when the episode comes out that we've read that, so it didn't even occur to me that you guys read that and then we're now waiting this whole time to be able to read on. That's that's hilarious, actually. Normally, I would I would normally be waiting until like the day or two before to read it. Sometimes even the day of. But I was like, I need to know what happens here. I can't wait another month. And now we've read it. Read it and I'm like, I can't wait another month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's so mean to stop when, like, we basically, st- I think we, we, we kind of had started the Sanderlands with that last episode or so. And so it was a mean yeah. time to cut it. But what can you do? Babies come when babies come, right? Yep. Been there. Um, so yes, four chapters for the next episode. Uh, and then Damien, Damien, Jack. I always do that. And I don't know why. <laughs> Jamie and Dak will finally be able to thank read on. <laughs> uh, so thank you everybody for, uh, for sticking with us. I hope you've enjoyed the little side trip we took with the baby break. And uh, Joe is uh, having a lot of fun. I I've, I've gotten, I've visited a couple times. I don't want to, you know, be in there too much while they're trying to do baby stuff, but I've gotten some pictures and he sent some pictures, very cute little baby. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, their first kid, they're having a whole fun, interesting experience. And uh, maybe maybe we'll hear a little bit about it when uh, Joe makes it back. I need to I'm going to text him after we're done here and be like, so are you coming back for next week or maybe maybe for um for the Patreon or something like he can like he can read the three stories we did just quickly and just record his thoughts. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. Just like that. Then we're, we're all you know, we're all on the same level. I have to call that like after the Sanderlanch with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay so yes we will see you guys next week for back to mistborn was to the time of next colo 